0: Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 447. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms, And thank you to Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. Read our stories at slowflowersjournal.com. Our first sponsored thanks goes to Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry with the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds, supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Find the full catalog of flower seeds and bulbs at johnniesseeds.com. I'm so excited this week to introduce you to April Vomfell of Flathead Farmworks in Kalispell, Montana. We recorded this interview in person on March 14th at Hatomi Gilliam's Trend Summit in Vancouver, BC, Canada. At the time, I don't think April or I really understood that life as we knew it would come crashing to a halt when we both traveled home the following day. So it makes our interview all the more special, and I'm glad you'll hear it, and I hope you'll find our optimism contagious in these uncertain times. But first, our bonus series here on the Soulflowers Podcast continues with our next installment of Stories of Resilience. I believe that now, more than ever, the message of sustainability and seasonal and locally available flowers is top of mind among consumers, flower farmers, and florists. I want the Slow Flowers podcast to be a companion to those of you in isolation, away from your physical community of peers, neighbors, customers, and friends. I don't have many answers, but I do want to keep the lines of communication open and accessible. About that resilience, I invited Tammy Myers of Laura Bloom to share what she's experiencing as a floral entrepreneur. Based in Fall City, Washington, east of Seattle, Tammy is a past guest of this podcast. She first appeared in 2015 when I featured her studio, First in Bloom, and its all-American grown branding. Later in 2017, I spoke with Tammy and fellow designer Mora Whalen of Casablanca Floral as they discussed Flower Power, a collective of local Seattle area florists and flower farmers. I'll share links to those episodes for you to hear again. And you can find those in our show notes at deborahprinzing.com. In the About page on her Laura Bloom website, Tammy says she will never forget the first time she discovered the difference between locally sourced flowers and the alternative, imported ones. Very early in my business, first in Bloom, I explored wholesale options in Seattle, she says. I walked into the Seattle Wholesale Grower's Market and I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I found buckets and buckets of freshly cut blooms in every color and shape, blooms that were grown by flower farmers and cut from the fields just hours before. All the textures, the rich colors and hues, the sweet fragrant smell of flowers, and the hardworking faces of the farmers themselves captured my heart. I do believe it was then, in that moment, when I fell in love with the floral industry. It was there that I found my people, my tribe. It was incredible. She soon learned the reason this uncommon wholesaler existed as a fresh alternative in the floral marketplace, thanks to its steady supply of local and seasonal flowers. A great deal has happened since that day six years ago. After years as a florist and a small business owner, Tammy wanted to find a new way to connect with customers and increase her online presence. Hearing the same frustrations from friends in the floral business, she set out to change how consumers purchase flowers online. With Laura Bloom, Tammy hopes to change the flower shopping experience to give consumers a way to experience local and sustainable choices. Laura Bloom is committed to sourcing primarily American-grown florals and absolutely never uses floral foam in designs. Let's jump right in and hear from Tammy. Hey, I'm so excited today to bring a new guest to the conversation of Stories of Resilience for the Slow Flowers podcast. And last week we featured a flower farmer and this week I wanted to feature a florist and a floral designer. So I'm really delighted to introduce my friend, Tammy Myers. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Deborah. Thanks for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You bet. And a few people might remember that Tammy has been a guest uh, of the podcast way back in time, like maybe 2015 or 2016, on a couple occasions. <laughs> At the time, she had a, a business, a studio business called First and Bloom, based in mm-hmm. uh, Issaquah, Washington, which is a suburb of Seattle. And since then, in about what the last year, Tammy has rebranded as sort of a really exciting new platform. So. Uh, Maybe start out by just giving us a description of your business, what it's called and and what it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, My new business um, is called Laura Bloom, and it is a, uh, in technical terms, it's a direct to consumer online floral marketplace. Um, But what that means to um, the Slow Flowers community is um, it is an online platform where florists can partner with Laura and um, list and sell um, their floral arrangements for local delivery. And um, the most uh, familiar thing that I can relate this to would be, uh, you know, like uh, an Etsy for florists or, um, um, you know, the traditional online retailers that we are used to. Uh, But this one is um, specific to florists florists and flower farmers that, um, they, uh, definitely, definitely prioritize domestic, um, domestically grown products. And, um, they're also floral foam free.
0: You've got a a lot of those, uh, kind of values listed on the Laura Bloom website. So we'll share a link so people can uh, check it out and, uh, sort of see, uh, how your branding, the members who are part of who've come on board to partner with you to market flowers, right? Yeah. Yeah. And right now you're, are you, would you say you're kind of in a beta mode because you're, you're, you are you you have not rolled this out beyond the Pacific Northwest?
1: Yeah. So, um, I started, I shifted gears in the beginning of 2019. So I've really had to have a lot of resiliency in the last <laughs> year. Um, but uh, it initially started out as uh, me building a mobile platform. And um, there's been, you know, there were a lot of challenges that happened in 2019. Um, and by the end of the year, um, I realized that that had to pause temporarily. Um, but I was, what was within my means was um, I could build a web platform. So um, for the last several months, I had been working on that. And um, it is just a beta in the Seattle area. We currently have nine florists that um, sell. And um, for the first time, we sold for Valentine's Day this past uh, February. Um, and considering it had only been live for about 45 days, I felt like it um, it was um, fairly successful. And uh, there's still, you know, it's a huge work in progress. but. To see it actually work um, in action was really exciting, and it, it gave me hope that um, there's definitely something to build on here.
0: Wow, that's cool. Well, um, I know that you, as you said, you have nine uh, florists who are kind of partnering with you to use this platform to uh, market flowers. This is primarily for, like, um, everyday flowers or, I don't know, gift, gift flowers or occasion flowers. How would you describe kind of the services?
1: Yeah, I would um I would describe these um what I would call a daily delivery. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um the the first iteration of this was really about um you know, anniversaries, birthdays, um sympathy arrangements, mm-hmm. things that um, you know, customers call florists for on a regular basis. Um to you know, have a local delivery.
0: Mm-hmm. It's in a way, it's just an a extension of how you ran First in Bloom, uh, with kind of that as the core part of your business. Uh, and now you've just maybe taken that knowledge and created a larger platform that more people can participate in, right?
1: Yeah. Um, over the years, when I um, Uh, Was active in First in Bloom. You know, what I I tried to do everything that I could get my hands on. (laughs) And, um, but what I realized was that I really, really loved the daily deliveries. And, you know, it was almost even though there were strangers that were ordering and calling me, like I truly got to know the story. Um, You know, oftentimes they would share the story behind why they were delivering something. And, was just really personal. What I learned, um, in first and bloom that I was just extremely passionate about the daily deliveries. And I loved knowing, um, the stories behind why people were delivering flowers and it just kind of, um, it just became my primary focus. And I was just that passionate about it. And, um, you know, from just learning things over the years, I was, I decided that pivoting towards Laura Bloom was going, um, could be something uh, really beneficial and exciting for, you know, the, the floral community. That's cool.
0: Well, you're always probably in constant communication with the florists who are part of Laura Bloom. And I'm just curious, can you give us sort of a temperature read on how people are, like, coping with the current climate and what that means, you know, in the short term and the long term for uh, florists?
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I've tried um, to be, uh, really communicative to the group. Uh, and, um, some of, and I should say some, like there, the florists were a mixture of at-home studio florists. There was one, um, that is a, she has a brick and mortar shop and then others were kind of, um, flower farmers slash, uh, florists. Mm, mm
0: -hmm.
1: And, um, and so they each kind of come at it from a different perspective. Um, obviously everyone was very, worried and anxious um in the beginning, uh just, you know, not sure how to handle the situation. And and in fact one of the florists, um, she was over in UK for um, you know, a a workshop over there. And so um now she had to deal with coming back and um being quarantined for two weeks. Oh my gosh. And um so every you know everybody has their own story and experience going through this, but I think once it settled in, they just kind of there was kind of an acceptance of it that okay, this is where we are right now. Um, and I think um, you know, some of them have kind of um they're either just kind of stay, taking a step back and they recognize that hey, this is short term and you know, there I, I hear a lot of hope out yeah. of them mm-hmm. that, you know, this this isn't gonna last forever. And, uh, and then, you know, some of them have, um, you know, kind of, they're using this time and I'm doing these same things, you know, they're using this time to, uh, you know, do some projects that they haven't done, or maybe have been on the back burner. (laughs) Right. I know, I know we all have those. Right. And, uh, and then some of them have, you know, kind of pushed themselves out of, out of their comfort zone and they're starting to, um, you know, do things that they ordinarily wouldn't do, and so I am. I am optimistic about this. Uh, this is just as uncomfortable um, for me, but I think that there's hope and optimism, and uh, that is really exciting to see.
0: Mm. Wow, that sounds great. So, are uh, fl- are people ordering flowers this week? We're talking on March 26, so I, you know, I just. I know I went and bought flowers yesterday just because I needed to get my hands on them, but that was more of a personal thing. Um, Is business happening?
1: Um, I think um, for the most part, it is pretty much halted. Mm -hmm. And uh, earlier in the week, um, beyond just the Laura Bloom florist, um, I'm a part of another group called uh, Flower Power in the Seattle area. Right. And we met, um, uh, we had a Zoom call um, on Tuesday night. And um, across the board, everyone is, uh, um, they're just, they're ready to just get this done, you know, get this, um, two week period over with. And they just are like, we've got to sit back. We have to take care of our own families right now. And, um, and so I think things have mostly halted. And Mm -hmm. in fact, I, I have pulled, um, the products that are on, um, the Laura website, you know, they have been temporary, um, suspended, uh, and it's okay. I'm going to, we're going to use this time uh, in other ways right now.
0: It's kind of like managing expectations of, of potential customers. Yeah. 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 You're right. I mean, it's sort of a climate that we're all experiencing in other service providers and, you know, just whatever we have to encounter on our daily lives. So, so with that as the backdrop, Tammy, what are you doing to stay sane and kind of, um, like you said, tackle your projects?
1: Yeah. You know, um, I think last was it early last week. Um, and I think that is kind of also what led up to you and I having this conversation now Mm -hmm. is, you know, I, I admit I was struggling really bad. Like it was really hard to focus on anything work related at all. Um, you know, my home life dramatically changed too. And so, um, I've, I just, I felt like I'm supposed to be, you know, a leader. And I felt like I've got to do something. I've got to snap out of this in, in some way. And so I, I said, what I need to do is at least keep talking. Like, I can't just go silent mm-hmm. throughout this.
0: That's a really good advice. And so,
1: yeah. And I just kept saying, keep talking, keep talking. And I was like, It was even hard to think up something to talk about, and so I remember uh, I remembered something last year that um, our friends at the Calyx Group, Missy and Kalisa, had done, and um, they were doing a like a fourteen day uh, social media challenge on Instagram, and they had sent out a document. It was just a, a an Excel document that listed out a calendar for two weeks. And it gave talking points on every single one of those days. And so I pulled up that old document and I was like, okay, I can do this. Mm -hmm. I can create one post a day and I'll, you know, create some unique talking points for Laura and that will at least keep me going for two weeks. And that I was able to concentrate and focus on that for a solid 30 minutes. And it felt great. And it felt like I had really accomplished something. And from there, I think, you know, that was when I started to talk to you. And then that led me to talk to, you know, somebody else. And then it just kind of, there was just a domino effect from there. And, you know, now we're talking now. And that is what has kept me, kept me going. Um, And then, you know, since now I'm talking to people, it's kind of led me to 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 um, think about some things that I could do that I might not have normally done. And, you know, one of them is tackling projects. And so um, a big project that has been on my mind and I can't keep putting it on the back burner burner is, you know, I really wanted to do some um, some crowdfunding Uh, campaigns. And so that's in the works for Laura right now and, you know, researching um, the best strategies and approaches for, you know, running a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo. Mm -hmm. So um, those are really, really great things for me to be working on in this moment. And then I think the last thing is just to innovate. You know, this is forcing me to um, step out of, you know, kind of my comfort zone as well. I love to get out and talk to people and see people one-on-one. So normally when, you know, I would try and go visit a, fo- a florist in person, I can't do that now, Right. but you know, I can jump on zoom and I can have a conversation. And uh, it's also prompted me. I was talking with one of my, uh, one of the other florists and she created a YouTube channel for herself and she, and I was like, hmm, well, I could do that too. So, you know, it's just when you talk with people, you hear what they're doing and it keeps you rolling and it keeps you inspired to just, you know, look forward to the next day.
0: Yeah, that's super encouraging. And like you're breaking this down into tiny little steps that uh, you because they're not necessarily... Um, easy to monetize, monetize right away or like there's no no one's paying you to do it it is easy to brush those to the back of your to-do list or the bottom of your to-do list so you just just listed like three or four things that anyone could pick up and also because of the very low cost of entry to most technology platforms um, there's really no excuse so I I really oh, like yeah. that I also think it's amazing ironically that this um, 14 day social media strategy that Missy and Kalisa created for Calyx group uh, is exactly the length of time of somebody's uh, self-imposed quarantine. So it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. symbolically. <laughs> it's uh, perfect. Yeah, exactly. Well, we actually, Tammy and I uh, talked with Missy, who's of course a good friend of both of ours. I, I met Missy through Tammy. Um, we, we talked with her about, could she like, you know, repost that challenge? And I think that that's in the works, right? Is that what your understanding is?
1: Yeah, we're good. She, they are, uh, they're working on, um, formatting something that works for, you know, uh, this, um, this time that we're all experiencing.
0: Good. So hopefully by the time people hear this episode, which is going to air on April 1st, we'll have a link to share, uh, with some, you know, generous resources that, that, Tammy's uh, adapted for herself, but that uh, can be useful for other solopreneurs or creative entrepreneurs, um, farmers and florists uh, to just just you know take a look at at least. And even if you don't feel like you can do fourteen days, you do something every other day, or you know just give yourself a little bit of a, a, a reach, something to stretch and reach for. I guess is is the other kind of thing I'm hearing. Tammy is uh, it's you've got nothing but time right now, so use it wisely yeah
1: absolutely use it for those things that you think about that you just feel like you can never get to and you'll by the end of this you'll be that much further ahead and closer to getting back to normal
0: <laughs> getting back to normal amen sister hey thank you so <laughs> much jammy i am so glad that we we had that a random phone call that led to this and i guess that's that's the byproduct of just reaching out and talking to people so i appreciate it greatly
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for, okay. um, for having
0: me. You bet. We'll talk soon. Thanks.
1: All right. Thanks, Deborah. Bye.
0: Bye-bye. Tammy discussed using a 14-day social media planning tool created by Missy Palakal and Kalisa Jenny Fraser of Calix Group. You may remember their names as speakers at the 2019 Slow Flowers Summit in St. Paul. I'm so happy that Missy and Kalisa have updated their action plan for the entire month of April, and they've permitted me to share this resource with listeners of the Slow Flowers podcast. Find a link in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com. I'll see you online. I can't wait to watch how you use their resources for your platform. Our next sponsor thanks goes to Rooted Farmers. Rooted Farmers works exclusively with local growers to put the highest quality specialty cut flowers in floral customers' hands. When you partner with Rooted Farmers, you are investing in your community and you can expect a commitment to excellence in return. Learn more at rootedfarmers.com. Okay, let's jump right into my conversation with April Vomfell of Flathead Farmworks. April is a fourth-generation cool-climate gardener. She got her start at a young age, weeding the carrot bed and emptying the compost bucket. Since buying her first camera at age nine, April has been taking pictures of flowers and watching things grow. Before college, April's first full-time job was in a flower shop, helping customers and learning about flower care and handling. After receiving a bachelor's degree in English, April worked as a copy editor and website editor for several years in Washington, New Mexico, and Wyoming. She completed a master's degree in library science and then worked in public libraries in Wyoming and Montana for several years before transitioning to jobs in marketing. Now as a flower farmer, floral designer and entrepreneur, April combines all of her skills in marketing, organization, writing and planning with her passion for growing beautiful flowers. April and her husband, Kurt met in 2013 and discovered their mutual love of wilderness, Montana, good food and gardening. In 2015, they founded Flathead Farmworks to provide fresh vegetables and herbs to local restaurants. As a landscape architect, Kurt is instrumental in the design and functionality of the Flathead Farmworks Growing Spaces. Located in downtown Kalispell, the couple's half-acre urban farm contains their home, annual and perennial gardens, shade trees and fruit trees, chicken yards, and a greenhouse. It is a work in progress with added improvements and new experiments every season. And you'll hear about that in today's episode. And as you will hear, flowers have gradually become the main focus of their business. I'm so pleased you can join this conversation and learn more about it from April. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing. And I'm so excited today to introduce April Baumfell of Flathead Farmworks in Kalispell, Montana. I got all that right. You did. Yay, Hi, It's good to see you, April. I didn't. I'm. We're here at the Trend Summit in Vancouver, B.C., and I, I didn't know you're going to be coming. How cool is that? Yeah,
2: it's it's so awesome to do this in person. With you. Yes,
0: it is great to do it in person. We met a couple years ago when I was in Missoula, and you you drove to that too, and you mm-hmm. drove up here. So that's
2: right. Yeah, I just I drive anywhere I can, <laughs> which is usually pretty far.
0: Yeah, being in Kalispell, it's um, a lot of land. Yes, yeah. Um, where is it exactly?
2: So Kalispell is in the northwest corner of Montana, a couple hours from Alberta, and a couple hours from Idaho. Um, most people would know Whitefish a little bit okay. better, which is just 20 minutes away.
0: Kind or, of a vacation area, right? Definitely,
2: yeah. yeah. Glacier National Park is our most mm. precious, <laughs> local, um, beautiful place. It
0: is, you live in a beautiful place. Um, I, uh, I think we met when we had that, um, Montana flower farmer okay. slow flowers meetup um, and I I remember being impressed that you you know were willing to you know you weren't exactly local in Missoula so you you came to that and uh, I've you've shared some photos of some of your designs in some of our articles and um, uh the house the house galleries that we've done so i kind of feel like i know your style but uh i want to share it with with obviously the listeners describe what flathead farmworks is as a business
2: so flathead farmworks um, we are a small flower farm an urban farm in the small town of kalispell um, and we have uh, two city lots, so the p- entire property is just a half acre, but mm. the growing space is more like a tenth of an acre, mm-hmm. Um, the real intensive growing space. We have some perennials and trees and shrubs and things on the perimeter, but the main growing space is quite small. Um, so we grow pretty intensively, um, very little equipment, obviously no tractor. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so we can have pretty tight spacing, narrow pathways and things like that, very um, just hand-tended. And, um, primarily I do, um, I started out doing a lot of wholesale, but I've just branched out because, um, the demand and the desire for local flowers is there. Um, so I do a lot of weddings now. Our destination wedding market is huge because of Glacier National Park, Mm -hmm. Whitefish, Flathead Lake.
0: Mm -hmm. So Um, you're really a farmer florist. Farmer florist, very much. Yeah.
2: Um, and I started a CSA a couple seasons ago, so that's, this will be the third year for the CSA, um. Also do just some you know business shares during the summer and trying to do a little bit more with workshops, um, dried flowers in the winter, um, dye my own silks and just started selling those on my website. So
0: that's fabulous. That's great. Just a little of everything. So first of all. What is Flathead? What is the meaning of that name? Because it's obviously something super regional for you, right?
2: Yeah, very much. So Flathead Lake, which is just um, about 15 minutes south of us, is one of the largest freshwater lakes mm. in the States, mm-hmm. I would say. It's, mm-hmm. it's huge. Um, and that comes from the, the Flathead Indian tribes. I think Flathead was maybe more of a nickname. Mm. Um, I'm definitely not an expert. No, that's it's a very regional. It signifies
0: the the place. Yes, yeah. Yeah. So you you really are signaling to people in the Kalispell Whitefish area. We're local.
2: Yes, yeah. That's true. Yeah, when we when we started and we started out growing vegetables, um, at first we wanted to be local. We wanted Mm -hmm. to provide, you know, local ingredients, local products that were not shipped in. That were Mm you know, obvious within the name mm-hmm. where
0: it was coming from. Right, right. Um, you mentioned how intensively you grow in your small lot. Um, it's probably comparable to many urban flower farms that are in residential gardens. Sure. Are you doing raised beds or like what is your, uh, you know, kind of design on mm. the garden?
2: Yeah, so no raised beds. Um, my husband is a landscape architect, so... Um, That helps. Yes. (laughs) Um, I had bought the house before we met, and it was just a big backyard, lots of lawn and lots of weeds, and, you know, just very kind of wide open. And almost immediately, I think he was starting to plan in his mind what kind of garden he
0: would like to have. You know, like when you were just dating? (laughs) Oh,
2: like our second date when he came over, yeah. Yeah.
0: And, it's like I can fix this. Yes,
2: yes. It was it was May. We met in May, um, and he came over for dinner, and we were sitting on the back deck, and you know, just the grass was green and everything was beautiful, and I'm sure the wheels were
0: turning in his mind of what it could be. So, what is the configuration? Is it rows?
2: So we have um, we started out with a kind of a block. Um, 30 by 40 ish mm-hmm.
0: garden space. And mm-hmm. that was
2: just initially our personal vegetable garden, mm-hmm. which is ridiculously huge. You ate a lot of kale two two that people. summer. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So <laughs> um, and we had, because we live um, kind of right on a, a green corridor perimeter near a park um, and the yard was not super well fenced, there were deer coming through all mm-hmm. the time. So mm-hmm. the first thing we had to do was build a fence. Yeah. So we have kind of fences within fences. The deer problem is better now, but um, we started out with that block garden and it's kind of a like gravel pathway with the, you know, beds Mm
0: -hmm. in Mm
2: -hmm. a a quadrant kind Mm -hmm. of layout. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, um, very structured and orderly. Um, We have the path going directly from there straight to the shed on the other side of the yard. Um, My husband is very... Precise. I mean, in his profession, he has mm-hmm, to be He's right. Very artistic, but very precise. So our our yard is kind of a mixture of urban farm garden, casual garden, almost formal garden in some mm-hmm. places with the mm-hmm. gravel pathways.
0: How neat to have the design uh, imprint, or you know, kind of his uh, his aesthetic in, as a space beautifully mm-hmm. and then you come in and plant it with flowers mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of equally pleasing right I yeah mean, so
2: the overall the big picture is definitely um, planned out and then I get to work within the all of his hard labor that he's put in
0: <laughs> um, you mentioned that you started as uh, veggie growers and now have has all the space been devoted or turned over to flowers
2: almost entirely uh-huh. yeah yeah over the last five years it's little bit more flowers every year and now we grow a little bit of vegetables Mm -hmm. mostly
0: for us Mm -hmm. Um, do you have anything undercover
2: we have um, one hoop house so it's a like 12 by 30 and we put that up about four years ago so um, we use that initially we're using it for tomatoes and cucumbers right it's just like crazy jungle of vines in there. <laughs> tons and tons of
0: tomatoes. Again, more than two people can oh, eat. <laughs> oh
2: yeah. That was when we were selling to restaurants.
0: Oh, okay. That was, yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yep.
2: Yep. Um, so now I use that for um, primarily ranunculus and anemone and stock in the spring. And then because those are cool season crops and we we go from cold winter to summer really, really quickly mm. to like clouds to sun. Wow. So we have a really abrupt shift usually in June. Um,
0: So immediately you know that those are all going to just poop out and be be sick of the weather.
2: Yeah. Even using shade cloth and, you know, opening the sidewalls and a fan in there, it gets pretty hot. So um, the last couple seasons I've just experimented turning that over in, you know, early July and putting in other Mm -hmm. quick growing or things I've already seeded.
0: Um, crops for summer, so like snapdragon, strawflower, um, that's awesome. Herbs, that's awesome. Eucalyptus. Oh yeah. yeah. Are you growing eucalyptus as an annual then, or yeah, uh huh. Yeah. But to get like a full spring crop or or, or early summer crop or whatever, mm-hmm. and then go into something that will give you, you know, flip it quickly mm-hmm. and getting a whole other yeah. uh, line up of flowers is awesome. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and it's it's only it's really only possible because. Um, it's a small, it's a pretty small hoop house. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, I cram things in there, of mm-hmm. course. But yeah, I, I start everything, you know, from seed in the basement. So I just have my massive spreadsheet is very, very precise, very timed. And
0: I just try to follow the plan. <laughs> That's great. And then you're constantly improving every year. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the hoop house, then, does it allow you to have flowers before anybody else, or or local flowers,
2: um, I I don't try too much to get them in there um, to have them blooming at a crazy time because you know there's there's only so much I can do early. Right. I don't really plan my weddings until June. Okay. Um, just because there isn't that much available, I wouldn't be able to have enough.
0: Yeah. Product. Because you probably we're talking on uh, mid march and you probably still have snow on the ground in calispell right actually
2: no we usually we usually would last year at this time we Mm. had still several inches but it's been a really dry um, warmer winter Mm. so Hmm. seems like an early spring but Mm -hmm. it's definitely still it's it's cold it was 10 degrees this weekend
0: Mm. wow well before we turn on the recorder you said that you did about designed about 25 weddings in 2019 and to me that's an impressive number because your wedding season is very condensed. Mm -hmm. People don't, do people get married in the winter or do you service weddings in the winter? Or is it more during kind of that tourism season or that, you know, peak season?
2: Yeah, so the bulk of weddings in the Valley, I would say are between May and October. Mm -hmm. Um, There's definitely weddings in the the off season, but um, I can usually only do those if they're interested in dried flowers Mm -hmm. or, you know, flexible with in um, late fall. I could do dried or fresh or combination depending yeah um so i did do a wedding in january that was very small and all dried wow oh wow yeah i want (laughs) to see those photos (laughs) most of the time um it's june through september is what i can safely plan for
0: well i'm I'm kind of reading between the lines here is it your philosophy to try and design weddings with just flowers you've grown yeah okay so that's part of your platform then
2: and yeah that was just kind of a It just kind of happened that way. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I was growing flowers, and I wasn't really planning to get into weddings, and people were just starting to come to me because there aren't, or at least a few years ago, especially, there weren't that many flower growers in our area. Right. So I just was only using what I had because I was doing a few here and there. Oh,
0: because who else would you source from?
2: Right. Yeah, I would have had to order them in from somewhere and... Um, then at one point, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I just decided, you know, I want to try to only use what I can grow or forage or dry or whatever. Mm. And now it's almost like it's a creative limitation I'm imposing on myself. Yeah. Because it makes it harder. But I like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you're also expanding your palette of what is a design ingredient by foraging, by mm-hmm. drying, and maybe adding new crops every season that you you think will do -hmm. well in Kalispell.
2: For sure. Yeah. Every season I'm trying at least a handful of things, um, new varieties, new perennials, new colors, um, to see how they'll do, to see if they'll work with what I want to
0: design. That's great. I I think that the person who's coming to the Whitefish area, the glacier area, they're obviously coming for a wedding. Oh, to, these are, like, when I'm talking about destination weddings, this, obviously they're drawn by the beauty, the magnificent beauty of that place, right? Mm-hmm. So it's probably not that much of a stretch to bring them along with your philosophy. Right, tell me about yeah.
2: that. Yeah, Yeah. that was one of the things early on that just kind of was happening when people were coming. Um, so many people have a family connection to that area. They vacationed there. They grew up there. Their family grew up there. Or sometimes they've literally never visited And they just picked it and thought, I always wanted to go to Glacier. Let's just get married there. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So they have, um, I think a lot of them, they want their flowers to match the spirit of their wedding. They Mm -hmm. want it to be very local, very unique in the moment, like of that season. Um, So I kind of found like that the first couple of years those were the people who were coming to me and it just made sense. So I just kept going in that direction mm-hmm. and it's it makes it so much easier to, to identify the ideal clients when they're saying all these words that I've heard over and over mm-hmm. and I can just know immediately that they're going to like that.
0: Well, and most of those um, inquiries, people are probably already having checked out your Instagram feed or your website. So there's a clear aesthetic that they, uh, you know, like. Mm-hmm. And even if, it's not super spelled out. It's Montana grown, right? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And the majority of my inquiries come from internet searches. Um, I kind of knew that anecdotally and now I've been monitoring it more. Mm. And that's definitely what people are saying. Um, Interestingly, we didn't have a website before when we were vegetable growers. Um, We just didn't We were doing wholesale mostly, so Mm -hmm. we didn't really need one at first. Mm -hmm. And
0: you were selling to restaurants in Kalispell. Yes. So it was like the personal connection. Yeah, Yeah. so we
2: didn't need to advertise really. Um, We had social media, and that was good. Um, We weren't doing farmer's markets either. So then once we decided to go in the direction of flowers, and I was kind of taking it over, um, I built the website that winter, and my job, my most recent job at that time had been as a web editor um
0: (laughs) so you have a few skills so i
2: have a few skills yeah and in that job i actually learned a lot more about seo um and i had been i've been a a web editor and copy editor for years and years um but i was able to take what i knew about the business at the time what i wanted it to be what i was hearing from wedding clients already and all the photographs i had from the last couple years so i had everything i needed for a website Mm -hmm. and knew exactly who i was targeting it to Mm. That's cool. Um, so I think that not guessing, yeah, before building it, but knowing what I had, what I needed, what I was trying to continue, um, and then setting it up that way. it's it's really been very effective
0: so with with SEO, is it similar to hashtags? like are you looking at phrases and keywords that you want to resonate with searches, right?
2: Yeah, I mean SEO is evolving all the time. The the rules change, mm-hmm. and Google changes what it values and what it devalues mm-hmm. and what it penalizes you for. Um, and I honestly, at the last couple of years, I'm not as up on it as I was for a little while. Right. Um, but, but you're it,
0: but you've got social media to kind of take, right. fill in the blanks, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah,
2: so the the main thing with a with a website is your being truthful you're giving all those keywords that people would search for Mm -hmm. you're being consistent you have the same message you know throughout you're not just repeating
0: the same phrase like
2: yeah catchphrases that people might look Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. um you're not just stuffing keywords in places like images or tags or those things because that's
0: what you'll get penalized for right those
2: people were doing them for a while and And Google catches on really quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, how would you describe your... We've talked about Montana Grown and Flathead Farmworks and Kalispell, but what is your aesthetic? How would you describe that?
2: um, I think, you know, the way that a lot of brides and potential clients would describe it to me when they would find me and and talk about it is just um, loose and natural, um, colorful sometimes, like very textured. Mm -hmm. I definitely like to use... Um, a lot of different textures and herbs. Um, one of the things that people always comment on with the CSA bouquets and sometimes with the wedding um, bouquets is, is, "Oh, that smells really good." Mm. Like, because you know, so many people don't have that connection to
0: gardening. Gardening, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: gardening and things that are really fresh and fragrant in a non, like lily or mm. rose kind of way. Mm-hmm.
0: Right, like they can't quite identify the fragrance, but they know it smells nice. Mm-hmm. And, and that, yeah. you think, primarily is because of the herbs.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's wonderful. And it's, it's just like snapdragons have a scent when they're fresh and grown, you know, just under more natural conditions without mm-hmm. chemicals and... Mm-hmm. um yeah, because we were growing a lot of vegetables and herbs to begin with, I just kept growing a lot of herbs, and right. so many of them are great crossover for right. floral
0: design. So you've mentioned the the wedding work, you've mentioned uh, CSAs. What are what are your other facets of Flathead FarmWorks?
2: So we do, yeah, we do some wholesale um, in the summertime to local florists and designers, and it's been exciting to see you know more people being interested in that, even. Um, there's a, a flower shop in cut bank that orders from us sometimes when they can get over <laughs> and it's, it's a haul. It's a few, few really? hours away. Really? Um, but yeah, they're, wow. We're spread out pretty far. So, yeah. Um,
0: so your definition of local might be a little different than some people's. Right.
2: Yeah. it, it might be yeah, regional.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, I also do, so I do um, a lot of dried materials and I've been doing winter, winter, spring kind of off season workshops. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, dried floral jewelry is something that's always that's fun. awesome um, that's awesome and so um you're uh you're really following the seasons with some of your services as okay. well um like the dried is you were i like when you said you might do combination of fresh and dried like in september so that's sort of mm-hmm. your transition month
2: yeah uh, september is fairly reliable especially with the hoop house and then now that i have a large 8x10 walk-in cooler.
0: Oh, you didn't mention that. Yeah,
2: (laughs) game changer.
0: (laughs) When did that that happen?
2: That was last spring. So um, 2019 in the spring, we had very heavy snow, very late snow, you know, foot on the ground in March. And I was planning to get a walk-in cooler. We had to um, dig a pit basically to do kind of a gravel base and then Mm. pour a foundation
0: Mm -hmm. and got
2: the cooler delivered on multiple semi-trucks. Of course, they were doing construction on our street at the time. (laughs)
0: Because it comes like modular, right? It
2: came, yeah, on a pallet Mm in pieces and we assembled it. Um, And then at the same time, I was still working 30 hours a week in an office and trying to hire a summer employee and Glad I'm not doing
0: that again. It sounds like a lot of things changed spring of 19. That was really a pivotal time for your your business. And mm-hmm. maybe talk about how how that all went, and then we'll we'll get the backstory of how you ended up there.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. 2019 was was big. Um, I had kind of decided over the last few years to just gradually grow, you know, the flower business in the summers and see how that was going. Um, and then the plan became if if all went well in winter 2018-19, I had kind of a sales goal mm-hmm. for weddings and CSA. If I met that goal by early spring, then I could quit
0: my job. <laughs> so you were uh, doing the business for many years while you worked a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And this was like the web editor and... Um, yeah, I was in Copywriting
2: I was in uh, marketing Yeah, and I was a website editor So for two years I was a full-time um, web editor 40 hours a week And in the summertime um, You know, I would come home in the spring And transplant
0: work till it got hours. dark Yeah, work till it got dark Which <laughs> right. thankfully
2: we have a lot of daylight in the summer um, And then once harvesting began I would get up at 5, 5.30 And start harvesting For wow. my at the time, it was it was there was no CSA, but I was right. doing you know weekly wholesale and things sure. like that. So I would harvest, walk to work, <laughs> and then my husband or our part time employee at the time would do the deliveries, and
0: um, then I would, you know,
2: maybe do a wedding on the weekend and
0: rinse and repeat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was <laughs> nice. Wow! Wow! I'll, I'm so glad that you. I mean. You've mentioned several things that may clue the listeners into the fact that April is uh, has a very strong balance between left brain right brain and your <laughs> skill set. I mean I feel like your your analytical and kind of um, planning and organizing skills from kind of the day job have mm-hmm. really translated into making you super efficient uh, yeah. in in the business now
2: yeah i mean i I had no idea that I would be doing what I'm doing right now. Um, I went to school for English. Um, Actually, I almost went to school for fashion design. Wow. And talked myself out of that. i have got some things in common. (laughs) Yeah. I would have been in Seattle, actually, for fashion design. Um, So went to school for English, got an English degree. It seemed flexible, which it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Went into copy editing and then kind of worked like... I also lived in Washington, New Mexico, Wyoming before Montana, so... Mm -hmm. Um, a
0: woman of the West. Yeah,
2: very much. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, worked in publishing, worked for a weekly newspaper. Wow. Worked for the state government. Um, and then I got into libraries. So I was um, in libraries for seven years. I got my master's. Never thought I would get a master's. I only only did because it was pretty much essential for that job, yeah. for that career path. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed it. For the for that time, um, that's how actually how it
0: got me to Kalispell, how it got mm. me to Montana. So. A job brought you there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it was doesn't sound like you were dissatisfied with all of those chapters of your professional life, but somehow farming mm-hmm. snuck up on you.
2: <laughs> it did. Yeah, that's a really good way to say it. It did. Yeah, I mean I've always loved working outside. Um, when I bought my house, it was partly because of the big lot and the Mm. big yard and the Mm. challenge. I didn't want to fix like a fixer-upper house, but I didn't mind a fixer-upper yard. Right, right. And so when we just, when we started doing the gardening and the farming, um, I don't know, I just like being out there. I like working hard and
0: trying things. Yeah. and, And you've worked for other people for so long. It probably must, it just felt great to be an entrepreneur.
2: Yeah. I, you know, I like, I'm not really a, I like working in offices and, on computers, but I'm not like a political office creature. (laughs) No, I I never wanted to be like, climb the ranks and be an upper management. And, you know, as the more and I guess the older, the older I get, the more frustrated I would get with how Mm -hmm. poorly things were run or just clunky or slow or Mm -hmm. petty. And so I don't know, just like doing my own thing is yeah like pretty amazing
0: yeah well so you you really have uh had 2019 was almost um almost the whole season was 100 farming and not mm-hmm. working in the office right yeah yep. and and how did that change things for you
2: it was it was crazy like i was you know how it is when you do something one way and then you look back and go how did i how did i even manage
0: how did i have two jobs how did
2: i do that <laughs> it's like you have the extra time and so it gets filled.
0: That's um, true. So
2: I, you know, I expanded my CSA. I did double the amount of weddings I had done before. It's awesome. Um and yeah, it's it just it went really well. I felt like last year especially I was getting a lot more phone calls from people mm. just wanting flowers mm-hmm. just, you know, kind of daily or weekly mm. random kind of stuff. It's
0: interesting and, because you said you don't do farmers markets and that seems to be how a lot of people you know put their billboard out or you mm-hmm. know kind of generate those inquiries
2: yeah we we just never got into that because we both had full-time jobs or you know starting trying to start a business um and we didn't want to also give up our saturdays for kind of unknown sales right uh you're harvesting and taking things there and setting up and you're there and then Do you sell it all? Is it wasted?
0: Yeah, it's like a a consignment kind of situation. You're consigning your time, Mm -hmm. hoping that it'll translate into sales.
2: Right. So the, the method that we've tried to follow is have the sale before you harvest, and then you have such little waste. And maybe there's things you don't actually get to harvest, but
0: at least everything else is but pre-sold. But then April will be drying that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you have a, a plan for that product, too. I think that's brilliant. I mean, the, a way to do that, I guess, is to be very good at communication with your wholesale customers mm-hmm. or know that you're harvesting for a wedding or a CSA, right? Right,
2: yeah. And, and one of the ways, you know, because we're so small, the growing space is so small, um, I really am really close with my estimates as far as how much I have week to week. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. I use a kind of a database spreadsheet hybrid tool um, that's online and, you know, get get to on my phone to to do like weekly inventories and availability and down, you know, stem counts basically right. for, for each different category right. that I'm selling.
0: And you're always looking how far ahead, like a week ahead or two weeks ahead? Yeah,
2: a week or two, depending mm-hmm. on... Time of, time
0: of year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, and that does that become an availability list? It does. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I used to use um, Google Sheets for, you know, like my seed starting and planning and all the dates and mm-hmm. all my varieties and everything. And I moved over to, um, it's called Airtable. And it's even, for me, it's a free subscription. I don't even.
0: Wow. AIR <laughs> a- 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 Table?
2: Airtable, yeah. So it's kind of a hybrid database spreadsheet hybrid. And now I use it for um, like photo galleries, different flower varieties. I can do a custom gallery for a wedding client or a planner Wow! to send them like in your season, this might be Mm -hmm. what you would see in your palette.
0: Mm -hmm. Your own kind of Pinterest board in a way.
2: It's kind of my own Pinterest. Yeah. And then I use that for any kind of seed
0: planning That's great. Is that a tool that you had used in in when you were in the library or you just stumbled across it?
2: Yeah, I just actually found it. um, um, What are they? Kokoro Garden in Mm. Albuquerque. Oh, okay. They had something on an Instagram story like several years ago where they were using this um, for their flower varieties Uh and they showed like, oh look, it also has pictures. And I was like, Oh, my God, sold. Oh, this is the
0: Hong Elder guys. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, wow.
2: Because like, I needed something that I could put a photo in. Yeah. Because I can do a, you know, on my phone, go through the gardens, what I have this week, have a link to send to my florist. Like, this is just this condensed piece. This is what you can order this week. Right. With photos. Right. And then I'm not trying to describe color or.
0: You're doing like it all. That. You're So you're doing it all on your phone. So you're not having to, like go indoors and upload it to the computer and then format it. Right. I used to,
2: you know, like make notes on a clipboard and then I would go inside and type it up and then copy it into an email. And that was ridiculous. Mm -hmm.
0: I love that you're building all these efficiencies into your processes. And you Mm -hmm. said uh, to me earlier also that this was the first winter you had the luxury of working on some of that infrastructure and admin because you, Mm -hmm. it's the first winter we're coming out of it right now that you Mm -hmm. didn't have to go to the day job. Yeah. You were the day yeah. job.
2: Yes. I <laughs> I am the day job. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's been amazing. Um, last summer was so busy. I mean, I had full-time available and it just you were cranking it that busy. So I was doing the weddings that I had booked and then also getting inquiries for 2020 and realized pretty quickly, I had, you know, I had a system, I had templates and email templates and mm-hmm. my contract and everything, but... It was just still a little too clunky and too many steps. So I started looking around for a tool that I could use to do my contracts and payments and make things go more smoothly for this summer. So this is all for my wedding clients.
0: So you've kind of developed your 2020 inquiries um, uh, workflow and mm-hmm. intake yeah. method, okay. Yeah,
2: and the, the biggest change that I've seen, um, because I've been working on it all winter and monitoring it so closely, is I'm better able to determine, you know, is this a client for me? Am I gonna do what they want? Are they gonna like what I do? Um, and then I can weed them out if I need to before writing a proposal. So I'm, mm. I'm spending a lot less time writing a proposal that doesn't go anywhere.
0: And So then, what's the secret? How are you doing that?
2: I, I'm just <laughs> I'm tweaking it as I go. Um, yeah. But I'm just giving them more information up front. So I have more information now on the website about what I do, very, very specific about being local, you know, only using what I grow as much as possible.
0: So the bride who wants, you know, peonies in September isn't going to even go further once she's read your website. Right. Yeah. Right. Hopefully. And then
2: if, you know, if they do, if they still send the form in, um, I have a nice longer response that's part of my workflow um, where I again, kind of describe to them what I do and what the weddings are like mm-hmm. um, and give them some kind of price ranges, mm-hmm. which I think is a, is a really helpful factor. Um, I think there is still definitely a, you hear farm and you think that's gonna be cheap.
0: right? You know, right. I'm gonna
2: get it from the farmer though, that's a good budget option. Right. And then I think it's been kind of that's a, a push. touted that way. It's yeah. like, oh, here's a good DIY option, get some flowers from a farmer. Um, and I'm. I don't want to be cheap. Like I. I don't want to undercut my local florists. I don't want to undercut the industry. Um, I don't want to undercut myself.
0: Because you're growing a premium a premium product. Right. I mean, this is it's worth every penny.
2: Yeah, and it's it's completely unique. I pretty much never do something the same way because I never have exactly the same combination of. Yeah, from materials. week to week, right? Yeah. So. Interesting. I think so, that's helping. So
0: that's all kind of. In, in service to educating the customer so mm-hmm. the customer's ready
2: mm-hmm.
0: to invest in your flowers yeah. by the time they hit, hit through those filters. Yeah.
2: I, think, yeah, I think before I just wasn't, I was just maybe assuming that they read the website more or just, just assuming whatever. Yeah. And now I'm just being better about giving them more information. You're guiding
0: that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do you have a minimum?
2: I don't, Okay. Um, because I do I do DIY sometimes. I actually do a lot of DIY design combos. So Mm -hmm. they want to do they want to make their centerpieces maybe as a fun activity with some
0: friends or family. So they'll buy bulk flowers for that. Yeah.
2: So they'll get some buckets for
0: their DIY
2: component. And then I'll usually do the bouquets, boutonnieres, corsages, hair flowers, um, any of those pieces. Mm
0: -hmm. More of the personals. Yeah. Yeah. How about installations and like uh, ceremony pieces? Mm-hmm. Are you doing arches and yeah, that sort of thing? Yeah, definitely
2: doing, more, um, definitely doing more of those. There are a lot of destination weddings and some people just want the beautiful flowers to take with them for the day.
0: When they um, hike up to the mountains. Exactly, oh, yeah. Oh, how cool for their,
2: is that? For their 7 a.m.
0: <laughs> ceremony. <laughs> their sunrise ceremony. Then no, 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 shot at um, tequila after. <laughs> Hey, as long as you don't have to deliver it, right? I know.
2: Yeah, that's that's actually one of my favorite parts is um I don't do a lot of deliveries unless I'm doing some kind of setup. Mm. So, it's I don't know, it's just so fun. You like it's the middle of the week, I've created their bouquet. They may not have even chosen the palette. They've just mm. said like make it beautiful mm. and like summer.
0: Oh, neat. And they
2: show up to pick it up and they've been hiking and like seeing bears or who knows what and They're just excited, they're on vacation and about to go get married. It's, yeah, it's just
0: wild. So kind of like an elopement Mm -hmm. uh, without a lot of guests sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, or
2: maybe like mom and grandma come and pick up the flowers Uh, and they want to see the garden. And I had one grandma who asked to buy some tomatoes while they were there. Love
0: it. That's so great. yeah you um you mentioned that you're gonna do some workshops this year. Let's talk a little bit about that before we wrap up.
2: yeah. so um this because this winter I've had some time for planning and mm-hmm. putting things on the schedule. um I'm doing a couple of dried wreath um, dried flower wreath workshops mm. this spring uh, before the flowers are blooming. Yeah, great. Yeah. So use up some of my dried product and make space for this coming season.
0: And you're getting somebody who is, um, you know, interested in gardening or interested in interior design, they're not necessarily Mm -hmm. wanting to be taught how to be a florist.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, they just want to play with some flowers. Um, Our winters are usually so cold and so dark that by the time spring comes, everyone is just like jumping out of their skin to get some color. Give
0: me something. (laughs) Where are you going to do the workshops?
2: I'm doing them at um, a local distillery. Oh, and then another one, fitting. Yeah, (laughs) I I mean a drink with flowers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then another one is actually at a a venue slash kind of up and coming agritourism Mm. business um, right in Kalispell. So they're
0: um, they have space. They
2: have space. Yeah.
0: Like roughly, how many students will you have?
2: Um, I can have about twenty to
0: thirty for each. Wow! Most
2: mostly because of material yeah.
0: quantities. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to kind of create some early season income mm-hmm. for yourself as well. Yeah,
2: yeah, very cool. And,
0: fun. and then you thought maybe later in the year, year you'll do some different types of workshops with fresh material.
2: I probably won't this season. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll probably just stick to the fall, fall, mm. winter, spring mm. workshops. Um, I def- definitely want to do some natural dyeing.
0: Yeah, silk
2: natural dyeing workshops. Yeah, at some
0: point. like using plant-based dyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds yeah. wonderful.
2: I try as much as possible just to experiment with what we grow, what we have available: um, elderberries, onions, beets, marigolds,
0: for your knows? for your ribbons. Mm-hmm. Wow, and that's a cool a cool add-on for your wedding clients as mm-hmm. well because yeah, it's also local to your garden. Right. Right. I love it. Yeah. I love and I can
2: it. match, you know, match their color or surprise
0: them. Mm. Will you share some photos of, of bouquets with ribbons? I'm I want to see those. Sure. That's wonderful. Absolutely. April, this has been so much fun, complete gift to walk in and see you here and, uh, grab some time between presentations at trend summit, uh, before we all have to head out. So thank you so much for sitting down with me and, um, you know introducing a part of the country where probably there's not often associated with flower growing mm-hmm. and uh you're making it work for yourself i really love that
2: yeah thank you deborah this has been wonderful oh
0: it's a great dream
2: come true oh
0: well we'll show some photos of all of april's um i don't know your backyard and your mm-hmm. your where you grow and where you design and and some of the weddings that you've done that'd be really wonderful
2: yeah absolutely
0: okay thanks a lot thank you Thanks so much for joining me today as we shared two important conversations with you. Connections and community are more important than ever before, and what we value as truly important and essential has radically changed in the course of just a few weeks. It's so easy to feel overwhelmed, and I know I have felt that way for a few weeks, wondering how Slow Flowers can support our community. To that end, we launched our first virtual member meetup on March 27th. 50 of you from more than 20 states joined in on a Zoom platform where we could see each other on the screen of our desktop or mobile devices and hear from one another. It was really powerful to see your faces and hear your voices. What a beautiful experience. As one flower farmer told me afterwards, it actually does help to not feel so alone during this crisis. If you're interested in joining the next Slow Flowers virtual meetup, follow links in today's show notes. We'll also share the invitation across social media places, and you can mark Fridays at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern for our weekly meetups. The next meeting is April 3rd. I hope to see you there. We'll have a few special guests, and we'll also have some fun giveaways that you might win. Another important topic to share with you are updated plans for the fourth annual Slow Flowers Summit scheduled for June 28th through 30th. I want to announce that May 15th is the date when we will make a definitive decision whether to move forward with the original conference dates or reschedule them. We want to make sure you have 45 days' notice to adjust your plans if we have to postpone the conference. And just in case, mark October 26th and 27th, 2020, as the backup dates for gathering together at our beautiful venue, Philoli Historic Home and Garden, in Woodside, California. As I said last week, I'm eager, as eager as you are to experience a fabulous conference that's presented in a safe environment. I hope this plan assures you and assists you in managing your own schedule moving forward into 2020. You can contact us anytime with questions, and I've added links to my email and that of our event manager, Karen Thornton, in today's show notes. And you can also visit the Philoli Visit page and the Slow Flowers Summit page for additional updates. Our final sponsor thank you goes to Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 592,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deboraprinzing.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com